you may remember from previous talks, if you have been here before, if you have listened to them maybe online or if you have read some of them, you may know that sometimes I speak about the teaching that the activity of the universe is an activity that works without will and desire. Ishi nashini or sometimes will and desire ishi yokyu nashi so it has no will it has no desire the best word in english to describe that activity is to call it a natural activity the activity of nature the activity of change the activity that makes phenomena appear and disappear. And it is an activity that just happens. No intent, no likes, no dislikes, no preferences. When we look at nature, we often see that. It is that the seasons have a specific sequence. In the spring, the flowers bloom and it gets warmer. And summer comes, the heat that we are experiencing now, that heat will soon give way to less hot temperatures. The leaves will turn color. The winds will come and the leaves will fall and winter will settle over the land to be followed most likely by another spring. So nature works without will and desire, which doesn't mean that it does not work according to specific principles that we can observe, that we can learn about. And in our zazen practice, when we follow our breath at first, when we do susokan, Susukkan, the counting of the breath. We can learn about some of those properties of the manifestation of this activity, that even though it works without will and desire, it does work in a very specific way. There are axiomatic laws of nature such that gravity pulls everything to its center. Water flows downhill. And all kinds of laws that we can see. We as human beings, we like to go further, not just to experience the laws, but to put numbers to it, to put formulas to it so that we can use it for our own comfort and for our own safety and for making sure that we can grow enough food for everybody and give everybody enough shelter. And all of that is a wonderful thing of human intelligence that not only comes from the intelligence but it comes also from the heart because we 
have this innate feeling that our species, the Homo sapiens, as such wants to further develop yet another almost axiomatic law of nature. Things evolve, change. Now, of course, nowadays, we are not as closely looking into these things anymore because we have all the products that help us make our lives comfortable, that help us keep out what we don't want to let in, and that help us live safely, well-fed, not too hot, not too cold. And all of that is fine. Now we as Zen students come to the point where we want to know a little bit more than just making it comfortable during the time we are alive. We want to find out more. Maybe we feel that we are incomplete, that there is something lacking, or that there is something in the way for us to go with that activity of nature, to move like the branches of the willow move when the wind blows, the blades of grass that turn to the sunlight. As soon as we base our understanding of who we are on the unconditional affirmation of an I am self, we run into trouble. Suddenly, Things don't just move without will and desire anymore. There is strong will and there are strong desires. And when those desires and when that will meets with these laws of nature, that is when friction appears. when the activity that works without will and desire moves on, but we are not ready. We hold on, we attach, but the movement will continue no matter what. Tension will build, friction will build, and we experience suffering. Now remember that the Buddha said that Pain as an experience in our lifetime is not avoidable. Pain is just part of our lives. However, suffering over that pain is optional. The breath flows in and out. Our minds, not so much. They always tend, especially if they are habitually trained, to only respond to that affirmation of this I am self. They follow their own repetitive patterns. Zazen will teach us to see those patterns. 
Now, of course, some of us come here with the intent to really get rid of those patterns, to loosen up that grip. And that's a wonderful thing to aspire to. And just so you know, it takes a lot of patience to do that. It takes a lot of patience, a lot of forbearance, determination, because it is almost like fiddling around with a tooth where the nerve is exposed. The ego, the I am self, the small self, has become very, very conditioned to be always affirmed. Any kind of negation, anything that does not affirm the will and the desire of that I am self is experienced as negative, unpleasant, uncomfortable. Feelings like hate develop, disgust. We have to look at that very, very carefully. And then we get to look deeper and it gets more interesting when we get into the realm where we come to the root sources of those feelings. What is it that we are thinking who we are? What are the points in our lives where we are at odds with that I am self, ourselves already? How do we get to the point that we look at our self and how it was put together? How we assess the points where we see this is not how I want it to be or this is not how society accepts me as I am. That's a quite an interesting investigation. Because who are we to decide? Sometimes at the university at Harvard, when students come to see me, they come with judgments, very strong judgments about themselves. Oh, I am not able to do this or that. I am not successful. I am to this, I am to that. I don't have the confidence. I lack confidence. And the best question to ask in that context is, well, who is it then who is confident enough to render such a judgment? So when you are on your own case, always see both sides and ask, who is judging? What is that? What is at the core of such a judgment? Well, let me ask you, is it an activity that has no will and no desire? Or is there something behind that that has will and has desire? It's a very subtle point 
a very subtle starting point to look into these feelings of self-worthlessness, of self-criticism. Also on the other side, the feelings of superiority. What stands behind and makes that judgment? The activity of nature is an activity that works without will and desire, but according to laws that we can experience. When you look at the character in Chinese that was chosen for Dharma, that is pronounced Ho in Japanese, that character is the same character for law, for rule. For example, in Japanese, the word bumpo means grammar, the laws of the language. Same ho. And sometimes even the English translation says, says, English translation says, Dharma or the law. Look carefully at those self-evident laws of how things work. Look carefully at how they work without will and desire how human fixation on an ego entity are at odds with that activity of no will and no desire. Ask yourselves, what is it? Who is it who hears this? Who is it who asks that question? Is it an activity that works without will and desire, but according to laws, or is it willful and full of desire? even if you wanted to, you cannot unhear or not hear the sound unless there's really something physically wrong with your ears. Without will and desire, Who is it that hears? Ask. Look. Feel. Perceive. 